Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Two nights a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. Are we missing the story of whom COVID has affected the worst? It's day 346 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India and we are reporting 9,762,245 cases with 141,735 deaths. One of the things that I've been trying to understand lately is what we can say about the communities who have been affected thus far and what that says about where the virus might potentially go next. Since this is not information that is directly available, it needs to be put together through a combination of closely examining sero survey data, plotting lab confirmed cases geographically as much as possible, and scanning and analyzing news reporting. One of the people who has been doing this consistently and then putting out his observations both in the media and on his university webpage for the more complex mathematical stuff is Murad Banaji a mathematician and lecturer at Middlesex University in the UK who I've had on the show before Murad is in Mumbai at the moment and we spoke a little about the work he's been doing and what he wishes he could see more of We talked first a little about how we both feel that there aren't yet clear explanations for why some regions saw more cases and deaths than others Murad has written quite a bit on variations within Bihar and I've linked to some of those pieces I also feel I mean like you feel I also feel that there are things which are not easy to explain. I mean if there were small variations mm-hmm. then um you can often put them down to you know random fluctuations and other perhaps you know incidental factors let's say about testing here and uh, fatality reporting and so forth. But some of these variations are huge in scale and that's certainly what kind of I suppose troubles me. I also don't know um how much of the journalistic work has been done to actually you know explore this because in a way I feel that it is the job of local journalists to ask what has been happening you know if um you find that in some district according to a sera survey a quarter of the population has been infected and yet there appear to have been almost no deaths in that district then i think the natural question to ask is why i mean whether you're an optimist and you believe that people really are protected from dying by some factor or you're a pessimist and you believe there's been massive undercounting either way you need to explore that further and you know without actual ground level data it's extremely hard to do that and what do i mean by ground level data well at the very least exploring what's going on in crematoria and what's going on in graveyards and asking has there been a surge in deaths have people observed that okay if they have that's one story if you haven't then um maybe some kind of surveying i know that that takes more kind of resources and infrastructure than might be available to many people but that that seems to me the kind of um a, a minimum requirement we circle back to the issue that's been on my mind too that there just hasn't been good enough research into the way transmission has worked in india I feel that there's something missing in the kind of research which is being done as well. Like, you know, sitting in Mumbai, what I would like to know is what are the sites of transmission? You know, where is it happening? Is it happening on public transport? Is it happening within workplaces? Is it happening why is Mumbai particularly badly hit? You know, it's a it's a highly connected city. Okay, we have an intuition about that. 
But uh, what are the particular factors? Where is, where is the transmission actually happening that drove the second wave in Mumbai, for example? And I feel that that kind of careful contact tracing research is lacking. I know that there's a lot of anecdotal evidence and that people have feelings about where things are likely to be happening, but the actual careful research is, is missing. And so it's extremely hard to create. Um, so there are, if you like, hidden variables. There might be an element of chance and randomness, but there are also hidden variables that we haven't fully explored, which would explain some of the variation that we're seeing. I, I, would, I would really like to be able to answer why Delhi is having this third massive surge at the moment, but I just feel that the kind of data that you need to explain that, is it centered around different geographies, you know, disease moving through different areas at different times? Is it centered about slums, around slums and non-slums? You know, that kind of data is missing. I also don't have a kind of very good natural feeling about what unlock has meant in Delhi, you know, how much opening up there has been and so forth. So with all of those things, it's, it just makes it extremely hard to create a narrative and even harder to make a prediction, I feel. You know? right. um, but my, certainly my intuition would be that there's no reason there can't be another wave um, nationally. Right. Whether that wave will look like a wave nationally or not is a different matter. It might be led by a few states which, you know, have, you know, a surge and then that could translate, that could add up into some kind of a national wave. Uh, I don't know. Right. Um, right. Meaning one of the things that I also feel when you, you were talking about comparing with Europe um, mm -hmm. as well, well, all of these European epidemics were really very successfully beaten back to a very low level. Right. And we know that this happened with quite low levels of prior infection, so quite low prevalence. Right. Um, I think in Europe, it was very easy to predict that come winter, we know that, you know, respiratory disease, you know, is, likes winter and come winter, you're going to have these waves. In India, I think you've got a, a much more kind of complicated picture of what's going on. So it's not quite so easy to say, yes, we've got low prevalence. I, I don't know what the prevalence is in somewhere like Maharashtra, you know, as across the state. I really don't have a strong feeling for what prevalence is. And I know there have been some things coming out of Karnataka about some, two surveys recently, one of which says very high prevalence, one of which says not quite so high. It feels like, again, the data is too messy. What this also means is that we don't know if COVID has affected marginalized communities worse, though there is reason to worry this could be true. I asked Murad if his reading on serosurveys in other parts of the world could suggest some pathways for India. One of the things which seems to emerge um, from quite a few of the Sarah service, so you often have a connection between housing density, as you would expect, you know, so that, that's not a uniquely Indian phenomenon in any sense. So you have um, quality of housing generally, and also the number of people who live in a household. So household size seems to be important. Certainly, I remember that in the UK Sarah survey, that household size played an important role. Um, you have, uh, you, there have been clear correlations between what kind of work people do. So, you know, there's, there are kind of um, clearly some jobs which put you at more risk of infection than others. Um, and there have also been, I mean, correlations, very strong correlations, say, in Europe and in North America with race. And disentangling the degree to which that correlation with race and ethnicity is actually about class and is actually about um, non-white people generally being in low-paid, 
essential jobs, hence facing the virus much more, hence much more likely to be um, infected, is hard. But that correlation is an incredibly strong one. And as far as I understand it, even once you disentangle class from the equation and you take, you factor in the fact that people are working in um, jobs which make them more vulnerable and living in housing which makes them more vulnerable, you still see an effect which is connected to race. So I feel that um, at least there's a kind of concerted effort to unpack these different factors around what work you do, the kind of housing you live in, your ethnicity or your general level of marginalization within society and how that might affect your chances of getting COVID and your chances of dying from COVID if you get it. I don't think the patterns are yet completely clear, mm -hmm. but you know that I feel that in India, we need to have that kind of effort to unpack, to disentangle these different factors so that we can, you know, because the people who are most marginalized are also the people who in many different ways are going to be worst hit and have probably been worst hit. Um, but it's almost as though, okay, we don't, we don't really talk about that. I mean, we, we don't say that, you know, this is... There's no... There's no there's no caste box in the Sero survey, right? You're not you're not asked what caste you are. Oh, it would be, I'm sure at, in their guts a lot of people feel oh it would be entirely wrong to ask what caste you are when you're doing a Sero survey. But at another level, it would be entirely right because it's important to map differentially how this disease is affecting people who are you know uh, Dalits or who are of other marginalized castes. How it's differentially affecting Muslims. How it's differentially affecting different communities because we know that. From European and North American data, we know very well that this strongly correlates with marginalization, right, the impact. You should say, okay, within a particular age group, 50 to 60-year-olds, let's say, or 60 to 70-year-olds, how does COVID differentially impact you if you live in a slum versus if you live in some fancy colony? And, you know, I, those questions need to be asked, um, certainly, but I feel that's uh, something yeah. missing. I worry that we've already gone too far down the road to be able to ever answer these questions, given that they aren't a part of the testing form or of any Cero surveys so far. Perhaps in the future, a household survey could help fill some of these gaps for India. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Anand Krishnamurti. On the next episode, a new question.